Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson. And some reports are beginning to circulate, saying that the New York Giants are moving on from some of their coaches this offseason. Now, the main report here is Thomas McGahee. His days are numbered. That is exactly what was written in the report. So it sounds like the Giants are absolutely getting at least one new coordinator in the offseason at the special teams coordinator position. But then, of course, we know a lot of tension surrounding Brian Dable and Wink Martindale. That's what we keep hearing. They don't like each other. They keep arguing. Could Wink Martindale be on his way out? That sounds like it's a very real possibility. And then, of course, we all know the Giants have the worst offense in the NFL this season, statistically speaking. So what does that mean for Mike Kafka's future? You would have to assume that there's got to be some sort of discipline, some sort of punishment for coaching the worst offense in the NFL. So I could absolutely see Mike Kafka getting fired at season's end as well. So then you're talking about three vacant coordinator positions. Head coach Brian Dable remains as the head coach, and all three of his coordinators on the outs. It's a very weird situation. I don't think I have ever seen a situation where a head coach clean sweeps all of his coordinators at the end of a season, brings in new coordinators, and just keeps moving forward as the head coach. It's a very unique situation that Brian Dable is bound to find himself in at the end of the year. Again, who knows? Maybe Wink Martindale, the beef there between he and Dable. Maybe it's overblown. Maybe it's not true. I hope that's the case because I want Wink Martindale back, but of course we're going to discuss that and just really discuss this unique and wild situation that the Giants find themselves in with this coaching staff. But before we dive into all that, make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode. Comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section. If you're listening to Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. And go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. Without further ado, Alex, how are you doing today, my friend? And before we dive into Wink Martindale, Mike Kafka, because I know that those are the far more important two coordinators to discuss, I do briefly want to get your thoughts on Thomas McGahee because hasn't been the great the past few seasons, has survived two head coaching changes is still here with the New York Giants but now again according to the report his days are numbered how do you feel about that well I can tell you one thing the Giants special teams unit has been rather disappointing I don't know anyone that can say otherwise uh, the truth is I don't really know and look I, I have no ill will against Thomas Begay I honestly seems like a good dude seems like a great guy I just think when a unit is underperforming, as every NFL team would do, like probably change that coordinator. Um, now, I don't think the Giants special teams unit is anything special. In fact, I think they're probably just a unit. Just take the special out of it. So really, at the end of the day, I just kind of don't get the don't really get the concept and the logic behind why we haven't gone in a different direction there. He survived two coaching staffs. And like you said, uh, it's kind of odd. Clearly, upper management likes him. Clearly, there is something there connecting upper management and Thomas McGahee because um, don't really get why he is still here and why they kept him around if you know he doesn't really have those connections with the other coaches. But now we're talking about the Giants potentially going through this massive coaching hall once again. You know, we talk about how the Giants need more consistency. They need, you know, they should give Brian Dable another year. They should give Joe Shane another year. But, like, we're still about to go through another whole offensive overhaul and a whole defensive overhaul. Getting getting rid of Wink Barndale, that relationship needs to be salvaged. If what they're saying in the media is true, if there is bad blood between them, that has to be salvaged. Because Wink Martindale is a great defensive coordinator. The only reason the Giants are fun to watch 
any time ever seconds 30 seconds of game of gameplay is because of the defense not because of the offense i enjoy watching the defense create turnovers i enjoy watching bobby okereke i enjoy watching deontay bakes develop i enjoy watching uh, uh dexter lawrence and Kayvon thibodeau and micah mcfadden take steps forward you know i watched uh, watch uh, xavier mckinney lately you know it's been really fun wink martindale's been a, a piece of the of the puzzle there and helping to get the most out of these guys i mean bobby okereke said it what two days ago yesterday he's like when i got to the giants and i went to you know really meet with them meet with the coaches I sat in a room with Wink Martindale and it was awesome like I loved it like he is a piece that the Giants can't afford to lose because he has experience and to be quite honest with you I don't know who you replace him with you know there's there's options but you know I just don't think that getting rid of Wink Martindale is the right decision for this team and I really hope that whatever the reports are saying about him and Dayball are not true um, I know like some of the beat reporters are saying that there is bad blood and then and others are saying and then they're saying like what are you talking about we just fight over donuts like I get it's funny but like they're not gonna they're not gonna say like Dayball's not gonna come out and say like yeah we have beef and then vice versa Wink, Wink Martindale's not gonna say that so we don't know the truth uh, but I hope to God it's salvageable at the very least because we need him to stick around. However, with that being said, you know, turning over the offense, honestly, in my opinion, Anthony, isn't if we're going to go and draft another quarterback, I don't think it really matters. Like getting rid of uh, of Mike Kafka, you know, maybe going get somebody else. Maybe he goes and gets a college job or maybe he goes and finds another job uh, being a coordinator elsewhere. If the Giants just let him go, maybe he just does whatever. Um, I feel as though ushering in a new offensive scheme that may tailor itself, you know, fa- like, like functionally um, kind of revolve around a new quarterback and what their strengths are would be good for this team. I think that Mike Kafka brought a lot of good concepts from the Chiefs, but it was built for the Chiefs. You know, you, you notice some of the things here that the, it hasn't really worked. Like Darren Waller, even when he was healthy, we failed miserably to get him the football. And the whole idea of having this like high octane tight end is a Chiefs concept. You know what I mean? It's, it's you know, other teams do it, but really it came from the Chiefs and Travis Kelsey. You're trying to maximize the tight end position as this like de facto wide receiver and other teams do it well. And the Chiefs, obviously, he, he wanted to kind of install that similar sentiment, but I just don't think it worked well with the Giants because we could not get him the football. Daniel Jones failed to get him the football. Even whenever, when anybody else was playing quarterback, we failed to get him the football. Was it the offensive line's fault? Maybe. But I also think we floated a couple passes to him. There were some inaccurate throws. Like, it just he just wasn't that impact player. You want to go see an impact player? Anthony and I were just discussing it before the podcast. Go watch Jamar Chase's highlights from last night. They knew the ball was going to Jamar Chase, but you know what they did anyway? They threw him the freaking ball, and he made plays. He carried that offense, um, and they won the game because of him. So, like, you know, you really look at the the reality behind what a WR1 can do for you. It's much more than, you know, whatever the Giants have been trying to do with Darren Waller. And and personally, you know, we were excited about the concept because we thought there was going to be a better offensive line, a more structured situation. Obviously, that all fell apart at the seams, and now we're seeing uh, the result of all those decisions. But, you know, Anthony, looking at the idea of bringing in a new offensive coordinator, I'm not opposed to that for the simple reality that I think that bringing in a coordinator who maybe has a link to the quarterback that we're, and we end up drafting or maybe has an idea of how they can build an offense to maximize the qualities of the quarterback that we draft. If it's Jaden Daniels, for example, um, find a, a coordinator that's going to help maximize that running portion of his game, You know, get him, get him into a position where he can act from a position of strength um, instead of trying to fit square pegs into round holes like we've been doing for years. And even though we say we're going to stop doing that, we freaking do it anyway. Way. So, you know, what are you thinking about the concept of, you know, replacing Mike Kafka if you think it's if it's maybe time or if you're, you're fine keeping him, which is also, you know, obviously logical. And I think that that's a, a fair assessment to keep him, uh, but, you know, ushering someone to kind of pair with a new quarterback. Yeah, the Giants need to keep Mike Kafka. You know how big of a fan of him I am. 
I'm just kidding. Obviously, I'm ready to move on from my Kafka. I've been making this case for weeks and weeks. But what I will say, though, Alex, the point that you're making here about developing a quarterback, bringing in a new offense to build around the new quarterback, if they decide not to do that, then I think you keep Mike Kafka. I made this argument on the podcast a few weeks ago. Make it again. I think that if the Giants are sticking with Daniel Jones, there's an argument for sticking with Mike Kafka, right? Giving him more pieces, better offensive line, having him and Daniel Jones continuing to work together. If Daniel Jones likes working with him, that is. And from everything that we know and we hear, sounds like he really does like working under Mike Kafka. So if you are sticking with Daniel Jones, I think you stick with Mike Kafka. I don't think you reboot, give Daniel Jones another new offense to learn, another new coordinator to get used to. I don't think you do that. However, if you're like me and you want to see the New York Giants reboot this offense with a new quarterback and build towards the future, then you're like me and saying, I want Mike Kafka gone, like I've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks. So I think that Mike Kafka, listen, really great first season with the New York Giants. I thought his play calling was a little bit shaky, but it was one of those things where he had some really great moments and it was his first season as a coordinator. So you only expected him to improve on some of that shakiness and get better. That's not what we saw. We saw the shakiness turn into an earthquake throughout the year. The offense just went from good from last season to pitiful this year. And again, someone has to be held responsible for that, whether you think that's Brian Dable or you think that's the offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka. So I think that Kafka is the one who's going to get scapegoated here. It's his fault that the offense isn't running efficiently, in my opinion. And that's why I think that it's time to move on from him in the offseason. But again, I will just make that point. If you are sticking with Daniel Jones as your franchise quarterback, like if Joe Shane is very serious about not drafting a quarterback in the first round, and he's like, you know what, screw it, we're just doubling down, building around Jones, then I don't think it makes sense to reboot that offensive coordinator position again under Daniel Jones, because Jones has had how many OCs in his career now? I mean, started out with Pat Shermer, Mike Sullivan, then he had Jason Garrett, Freddie Kitchens. Mike Kafka, that's five OCs in five years. Do you really want to make it six for six? I don't think so. I don't think that's a good idea. So if you're sticking with Daniel Jones, I think you stick with Mike Kafka. You just try and have both of them figure out why they were so bad this year and be better next year. But ultimately, I don't think there's an answer for why they were so bad this year and a way for them to fix it next year. I think that both of those guys you need to move on from, Daniel Jones and Mike Kafka both. I think it's time to just reboot this offense build in a new direction for the future. Brian Dable needs to take more control this time, in my opinion, and just really build it how he sees fit, because he did that over in Buffalo with the Bills, created an excellent offense, got Josh Allen, got Josh Allen, his WR1 and Stephon Diggs, and then turned the Bills offense into one of the most high-octane units in the league. So I would like Brian Dable really this offseason to just say, okay, wiping the slate clean, brand new offense, building around a new quarterback, building around new playmakers, and building a new offensive scheme. Dable takes a lot of control, brings in a coordinator to help him manage it, but not run and control the offense, just help Dable manage and control the offense while he's also doing his duties as head coach. That's what I would like to see. I know I mentioned this to you a couple weeks ago on the podcast as well, Alex. The idea of Brian Dable serving as both head coach and OC does intrigue me. It concerns me, but I also think it's interesting and it's something that he should at least consider, entertain the idea in some way. And also I think that he should consider taking over the play calling duties. But then again, that ties into you need a really good defensive coordinator slash assistant head coach in that that regard. And that's where Wink Martindale fits in. So I don't want to see Wink Martindale go. I do want to see Mike Kafka go. If Mike Kafka goes, I will also give a shout out to my friend, Max Smith. He pitched out an idea to me last night, a name to keep an eye on for the New York Giants at the offensive coordinator position, Dan Pitcher of the Cincinnati Bengals. He's a New York native from Cortland, went to Cortland State in New York. He's the quarterback's coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. And if you guys watched that Monday Night Football game last night, 
Jake Browning looked like a stud. Joe Burrow has looked like a stud since he stepped foot in the NFL and had Dan Pitcher coaching him. So this guy, he's the truth. If you want to draft a new quarterback, go after Jaden Daniels, Drake May, whoever, and you want to get a really good quarterbacks coach in there to develop him, I like Dan Pitcher a whole lot. He could be your OC, help manage the offense. I don't think he has any play calling experience or any experience running an entire offense, but what we're seeing in recent NFL um, with NFL teams and NFL teams that have found success, they usually take quarterback coaches with really good quarterbacks, really smart guys. And I know this is what they did with Mike Kafka, actually. They get really good quarterback coaches, move them into that OC role and see how they do. But I do think that this time you give Brian Dable a little bit more control. You don't let him just kind of throw everything on the shoulders of the offensive coordinator and let Dan Pitcher focus really hard on building an offense around a specific quarterback that you draft in the first round. So Dan Pitcher, shout out to Max. I like the idea of that there's a lot of names out there to keep an eye on though around the NFL different offensive coordinator candidates but if the Giants move on from Mike Kafka pitcher's a guy that we'll definitely be discussing on the channel in further depth and of course we'll go through all the other options that might become available for the OC spot but I do want to flip back to the defensive side of the ball Alex I know you touched on Wink Martindale I want to talk about that a little bit more because like I mentioned with that um, assistant head coach idea right Wink Martindale is head coach candidacy worthy Like, this is not a guy who is barely scraping on by as a defensive coordinator. The Giants interviewed him years ago for their head coaching job. He received head coaching interviews last offseason and made it pretty deep into those interviews as well. Wink Martindale is a highly respected man in the NFL. He's been on winning football teams. He's coached some of the best defensive units in the league. And he's taken teams that are completely devoid of talent on the defensive side of the ball and turned specific players into superstars and put competent units out on the field year in and year out like he's doing right now with the New York Giants. To me, losing Wink Martindale would be an incredible loss. I think that players would leave this team because of it too. I think that there's a lot of players on this team who are as good as they are because they're in Wink Martindale's system, and if Wink Martindale were to leave, I'm not sure that they would feel too confident continuing to play for the New York Giants in a new system. If a new defensive coordinator comes in here, wants to switch from 3-4 to 4-3, wants to blitz less, change up the whole scheme and uh, defensive coverage package, what does that mean for all the players? Players that we think are really good for the Giants right now, scheme fits, building, continuing to develop like a Micah McFadden is Micah McFadden good in another defensive scheme I don't know do I want to find out absolutely not I like our defensive scheme I like our defensive coordinator and I think that there's a lot of value to be had in retaining Wink Martindale and letting him continue to build with some of these young pieces so Alex how are you feeling about that you know kind of the idea that there's players who are here in the middle of their development they're not done developing they are still developing under Wink Martindale and in his system do you also feel like getting rid of Wink Martindale would impede the growth of those players and be super detrimental to their future success? A hundred percent. Getting rid of Wink Martindale is once again, guys, going to stunt the growth of players that are taking significant steps forward. Micah McFadden is a different player this year. Deontay Banks, as a rookie, has already assumed CB1 roles, and he's looking pretty solid. He's had a couple of games where, you know, he's given up some yards, but, like, you expect this from a rookie cornerback. Kayvon Thibodeau was the first pass rusher in the history of Wing Marndale's career to have over 10 sacks, and he's looked fantastic the last couple of weeks. Dexter Lawrence, I mean, once again, absolute freaking tank. Um, Xavier McKinney is having an absolutely phenomenal season, and he's coming off a, a good year last year prior to the injury. You know, I mean, I, I would say maybe not phenomenal season. Maybe he's having a really good second half um, after, you know, a, a slower start. But you, you see what my point here is, guys. Right now, the, the Giants are in this situation partially because 
once we have a player that's taking steps forward, we see some guys making some positive developments, we change the coaching staff again, or we make a significant overhaul, or we make big changes to a scheme that's unnecessary at times, and we find ourselves back at square one. Micah McFadden takes a steps back. Bobby O'Karake doesn't doesn't replicate what he's doing this year next season. Deontay Banks, the scheme changes, maybe he struggles to a, to a degree. Um, it's it's just impossible to maintain any level of consistency if things are always changing. What makes great teams great, Anthony, in my opinion, the fact that they go into a scheme and they are confident, they are comfortable, and they know what to do, they know their jobs, and they know how to communicate. If you're consistently changing things all over and over and over again. You're using the first couple of weeks of the season to, like, figure it out. You know what I mean? The, what do you think? The Chiefs walk into every year trying to figure it out? No. These guys know exactly what they're doing. You think any good team, like the 49ers, who have uh, this, have had the same coaching staff for years now, you think they're walking into the season needing five weeks to figure out how to throw the freaking football or run the ball or play defense? No. Of course not. These guys have experience in their schemes, and that that is a huge advantage. Those beginning weeks, I mean, look at our look at our season this year. Those losses at the beginning of our season destroyed us. You know what I mean? They they completely demolished us because we had no idea what was going on half the time. Um, they were not comfortable or confident, obviously. So you know, you 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 get a team and you have some consistency. You see some upside. You see Wink Martindale and this defense balling out, and then you change it. Like, God, like, that's, like, the worst thing to do. And I really hope that Brian Dable, I don't know why these reports are coming out. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But the truth is simple to me. He's got to figure it out. Like, he's got to salvage that relationship because that is the only thing really holding his job in place right now is the fact that the defense has been balling out. If that offense doesn't take a step forward next year, Dable's gone, man. Like, Joe Shane and Dable might be gone. Like, that, that could be a – that's a reality. You know what I mean? Like, there were talks of him being fired this year, and let alone next year if things struggle, if things go the wrong direction. They're screwed. So, like, keeping the one good thing in Wink Martindale and that defense should be an absolute priority. If they let him go and they overturn it again and they struggle the first couple of weeks because their defense has no identity – we're going to be right back at square one, man. And it seems like we're going through this rotation every single freaking year, every other year. Um, it's really disappointing. But, you know, I, I think I think I'm in your I'm, I, with your logic in the sense that these young players developing are going to be impacted negatively by this, in my opinion. Like, they will be impacted negatively. If you do this to them, you're asking for trouble. Like, you're asking for uh, regression here. And that is not sustainable. Daniel Jones has had, what, three different offensive coordinators? And look where he's at now. We're talking about moving on from him. You know, no consistency, nothing. And a lot of the reason that they moved on from those coordinators because they were not modernized. They were bad offensive coordinators. They were stuck in 2004. You know, like, they're, this is a situation where, like, we have been lagging behind in a lot of areas. And I finally feel like we're, we're we've caught up to the trends of the NFL in some degree, um, but you know the the actual execution has been poor um, this season, and a lot of injuries, of course, have have aided in the degradation of this offense in specific. So, you know, getting rid of Wink Martindale, in my opinion, would be devastating. Like like to a degree that we probably would be really pissed off next year, and um, I would I would bet on that because I just don't know if we're going to be able to run it back. Um, with this level of success, and especially with our offense this bad, and our offense struggling this much, and trying to supplement that and keep games close, I mean, I know we've had some bad, bad defensive games, but you know, it doesn't matter. Like those games, like the offense barely can score. You know what I mean? Like, what do you, what do you expect? So you know, you're gonna have to, sh- you're gonna have to have shootouts sometimes. Look at the, look at the Eagles and 49ers. Like sometimes you're gonna have to have shootouts, um, even if, even if your defense is great. So you know, that's just my take on the, on the matter. Yeah, and I think it's the right take. And listen. 
I think that Wink Martindale is super valuable to this team. If I was Brian Dable, I would be doing everything in my power to mend that relationship, fix it, and make sure that he doesn't leave me. I'd be like, Wink, please don't leave. Please don't leave. Um, but Brian Dable, I mean, it's not a good look, though. I, I think that this whole situation is starting to paint Brian Dable in a pretty ugly light here. The fact that he is very likely moving on from Thomas McGahee, fine. That's probably justified. But then the fact that he'd be moving off from all three of his coordinators at once with reported beef that's creating the uh, the reason for Wink Martindale leaving. I, I, I mean, it's just not a good look here for for Brian Dable. And I do have some growing concern going into the offseason and into next season around him as the head coach, considering his whole staff kind of just abandoned him. It, what does that say about him? I, I'm not entirely sure. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We don't know which reports are true. We don't know which reports are false. Um, we'll find out at the end of the year, though. And, and so these final weeks of this regular season are going to be pretty crucial. How does the defense perform? How does the offense perform? Do guys continue to develop over this final month? Um, and what does it all mean for Brian Dable and his coaching staff going into the offseason? Will they reboot? Will they restart altogether? Um, but keeping Brian Dable head coach, or will they just kind of um, get rid of a few pieces that aren't working, build around the rest? That remains to be seen, but it'll be really interesting to discuss here on the channel. But one last thing briefly, Alex, that I do want to just kind of get your take on. I think you've given your take before, but just kind of refresh it for me and for the audience. I mean, talking about Brian Dable, the offense, right? Running the offense here, because this is something that I mentioned a couple weeks ago, but I'm still torn on it. The more I think about it, the more I like it, the less I like it, right? I'm 50-50 on Brian Dable running the offense in 2024. Um, again, I feel like that requires him to have a really good assistant head coach alongside him. Dable has had a few gaffes with time management, with coaches' challenges. Like, he's had some dumb mistakes himself, and I get it. He's only in the second year as head coach. So I, I get worried about the idea of him taking on too much responsibility on the offensive side of the ball. How does that affect his ability to do his duties as head coach? So I'm apprehensive to the idea of him taking a more hands-on approach and running the offense, but I'm also really intrigued by it because again, the number one thing that finds success for an NFL team is the quarterback position. The success of that quarterback, the success of the offense that the quarterback is running, that is what creates success for the team as a whole. So if you're bringing in a brand new rookie quarterback and you know Brian Dable's track record with developing rookie quarterbacks into superstars like Josh Allen, I, I mean, even you could take Daniel Jones as an example. First year with Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones became a significantly better player. Do you want Brian Dable to take more control over this offense? Like, get this rookie quarterback, develop him? Do you want him to kind of serve as, you know, offensive coordinator and head coach? Maybe he just has a run game coordinator working alongside him. Not an offensive coordinator, but like a coordinator for specific parts of the offense while he oversees as OC. Do you think that's something that you'd be interested in? Or do you think that's maybe too much power for Brian Dable, too much control? How are you feeling about the idea of him kind of serving more than one role here in addition to head coach and really taking that hands-on approach with the offense? Yeah, I mean, look, the truth is, is that I think that Brian Dable, I don't know about the reports indicating that he took more of a role against Arizona in the second half. Like, you know, there's things that have kind of blossomed uh, from nowhere that we don't know if they are true or not. Um, but I think, look, Brian Dable has a history of doing well with calling plays and developing an offense and, you know, getting the most out of a quarterback. I 
don't know what happened along the way with Daniel Jones in terms of why we weren't able to. We got we saw a much better version of him last year, and I think that gave us a lot of optimism that he could compound on that success. But our offensive line failed this year, which you know isn't entirely Joe isn't entirely Brian Dable or Joe Shane's fault. Just sometimes players don't take those big steps forward. Like Evan Neal just struggled. Like what he worked all off season, did everything he could to get better, and just and still sucked. You know, like that's it is what it is. And sometimes those guys take uh, a little bit longer to develop. Maybe Evan Neal does have a late bloom. Uh, um, you know, in a year or two or next season, who knows? I don't want to bet on it. I'd rather go out and get someone that can help compete, you know, and, and offer some uh, average to slightly above average performance now. Uh, but we'll see what the Giants do in that regard. I do think that Brian Dable needs to be more involved in some ways. Mike Kafka, um, we've seen like sparks of genius. We've been like, wow, like that, like where did that come from? Like, why did, why are we not using those plays? Um, and, you know, that's part of the reason why I'm kind of leaning towards, uh, you know, a new quarterback because I just I think that we need fresh blood but when it comes to Brian Dable you know giving up some of that I guess control you know giving up some of that control rather taking more control and giving up a little bit of the control as a head coach and maybe bringing in like like we've discussed this idea making Wink Martindale like assistant head coach as well like we thought that if that relationship was great like he could be doing even more like he wasn't didn't just have to be the defensive coordinator he could be kind of like a quality control guy at the same time um I thought that was actually like where this would end up going but instead we're talking about firing Wink Martindale like freaking god help us at this point I don't even know what to say it's just as crazy how dysfunctional this team feels at some points um but you know with that being said Dable taking more control over the offense, I think, is warranted. Like, if the offense is bad and you have you know, a head coach who is bred to develop quarterbacks and, and make offenses better, why are you not leveraging that? You know what I mean? An offensive head coach that has a bad offense is a huge red flag. You know what I mean? A humongous red flag. Um, like, people wouldn't be saying that, for example, you know, you look at, like, Robert Sala of the Jets. Like, their defense is elite, and he's a defensive first coach. I mean, you know, he was a tight end back in the day, but he was also, like, you know, linebacker's coach with the, with the 49ers or whatever it was. Um, the guy has an elite defense, and, like, that's why they're like, okay, like, we can survive with that because he does his job on the side he's supposed to do it. If the offense sucks, I'm looking and asking Brian Dable directly, why are you an offensive coach and your offense is dead last in football and points per game? You know what I mean? Is that Mike Kafka or is it Brian Dable? That's my question. Even your offensive line, even if your offensive line is suspect, CJ Stroud is kicking ass with a, he has six offensive linemen on injured reserve. You know what I mean? Like there are no excuses at some points. You have to score points in the NFL. You have to get creative. So, I also don't really buy the fact that he isn't involved. You know what I mean? Like you can't convince me that Brian Dable isn't isn't really heavily involved trying to fix this offense. He's not he's not pushing it to Mike Kafka and saying to us, "Yeah, like my hands are my hands are tied. I'm not doing anything. It's all Mike Kafka." Of course he's trying to figure it out. If he wasn't, I'd be like, "Yo, what the hell are you even doing?" You know what I mean? So, with that being said, getting more involved, I don't know what that's going to do because he should be really involved now. You know, like that's that's kind of my take. Um, but at the same time, there are limitations to the offense, and you know there are things that we are we haven't been able to accomplish. And look, it's Tyron Taylor and, and freaking De- Tommy DeVito. Like, what do we really expect? Um, and, and, and obviously, Daniel Jones is not worth forty million dollars, and I think most people would agree with that. There are some people still hanging on to the hope that he could turn it around. But look, if I'm Brian Dable and Joe Shane, I've said this a hundred times. I'm not tying my future to Daniel Jones coming off an ACL tear, guys. I'm not saying, like, next year, if Brian Dable and Joe Shane do not sport a winning team, we're they're getting fired. Like, they're gone. 
if they tie themselves to a, a quarterback who's coming off an ACL tear that heavily leans on his legs to churn production, and he's probably going to miss the first couple of weeks of the season, do you really think that that is logically sound for them as as uh, in their job security? They want to tie themselves to a young quarterback. They want to be in the business of developing a young passer that could potentially be a franchise uh, you know, signal caller for this team and, and lock themselves into another couple of years with the Giants. It is in their best interest. And personally, I think it's in, in the team's best interest. I think it's in the organization's best interest. So, you know, Brian Dibble taking more offensive responsibility, yes, I think that has to happen if they move on from Mike Kafka. But I don't think that we should... I don't think that like it's it's we should just assume he's not doing it now because if he if he's not really involved in the offense I'd be questioning why because this offense is terrible why wouldn't he be taking more more uh you know kind of I guess more responsibility you know what what do you think about that I mean listen he's obviously heavily involved with the offense never was trying to imply that he wasn't like this is Brian Dable's playbook it's his offense he's running it with Mike Kafka but Mike Kafka calls the plays Mike Kafka oversees pretty much everything in practice like he's the offensive coordinator what I was trying to say is that we so we've seen a lot of coaches in the past I mean you, you take a look over in San Francisco who's the offensive coordinator for the 49ers it's head coach uh, Kyle Shanahan right like he runs the offense in totality does he have running game coordinators working with him? He did. Mike McDaniel was his running game coordinator. Now he's the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. So that's more what I'm saying with Brian Dable. Could he pivot away from being just this head coach with an offensive coordinator? Or could he just be head coach and offensive coordinator and take on the entire work of the offense? So I'm not saying take on more control. He's definitely got control. He's definitely heavily involved in the implementation of the offensive scheme, development of the players, all of that stuff. Brian Dable is absolutely involved in the offense. But what if he just took over the offense and then just brought in a little bit of assistance to help him run the offense that's what I think that he should do if he really wants to save his job I think that's kind of like that would be Brian Dable putting all of his chips into the middle of the table right like that's I'm betting on me I'm gambling on myself here I'm gonna show that I am what makes this team good like I am what makes this team run I am this key and the the reason for success of this offense that's what Brian Dable would be doing if he said, screw it, I'm calling all plays for the offense next year. I am the offensive coordinator. This is my staff. I'm taking full control over the offense. I'm going to make sure I got a really good DC in place. Maybe I'll have a running game coordinator alongside me and a few really good assistant coaches. But this is my offense I'm taking over and I'm developing this rookie quarterback. That's what I think Brian Dable should do. Again, I'm apprehensive to the idea in many ways because he hasn't proven to be the best with clock management. He's had his fair share of mistakes as a head coach um, and maybe putting more on his plate on game days is not the best idea but really at the end of the day we've seen a lot of head coaches get the job done by having all that on their plate head coach and offensive coordinator a lot of really good ones run both of those positions and I think that for Brian Dable it's almost like we know he's such an offensive guru such a talent as an offensive coach maybe you're wasting his talents in some respects by not having him be the OC and the head coach at the same time so I think that this offseason if he does move on from Mike Kafka yeah we're going to talk about potential replacements I think that the number one man who could replace Mike Kafka in that OC position is actually Brian Dable himself and honestly it would go in line with everything that we're hearing that Brian Dable really is the guy that's creating all this tension in the locker room like if that's true if, if this is Brian Dable trying to run the show in the way that other people don't like I would probably bet on him deciding screw it I am running this show all by myself and just getting help to 
figure out the defensive side of the ball because that's not my specialty. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Brian Dable handles this. Um, again, we could be without three offensive or three coordinators uh, on every side of the ball going into the offseason, which is really interesting. But I'm, I'm very curious to hear everybody's thoughts about the idea of Brian Dable taking over as OC down below in the comment section. I think that's something that we'll continue to discuss in future episodes, probably do a full episode dedicated to that idea at some point in the offseason if Mike Kafka's firing does become a reality soon. Um, but again, it'll just be really interesting seeing what happens with this coaching staff. I think that there's going to be a lot of overturn, um, a lot of the positional coaches. I'm not sure if they're going to stick around. I really hope Andre Patterson at the very least it does because he is a stud who turned Dexter Lawrence into the best interior defensive lineman of football. So hopefully they at least keep him. But there will be a lot of overturn this offseason. It's going to be a shaky one for the New York Giants after a really disappointing 2023 season. But of course, Still in the playoff hunt, baby. Also still in the hunt for a top five draft pick. We'll see how it all shapes out here um, for the rest of this regular season for the New York Giants. So, of course, make sure to stay tuned to Fireside Giants so you hear more about the coaching staff and the draft picks and all that right here on the channel. Make sure to leave a like if you did enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel. If you're new, ring the bell so you don't miss an episode. Comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, we will catch you all in the next one. Have a good one, and let's go Giants. Thank you.